Hey, this is Hunter Henry of the LA Chargers, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We fought all day long. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yes, welcome in everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast. It's time to celebrate. We've made it to September, just over a week away now from the big kickoff. I know the off-season is very lo- fairly long and it, let, let's face it, 2020 has been uh, quite a long year already. I think it's lasted about 24 months if uh, last time I looked at my calendar. But uh, yeah, just a week uh, week away. Obviously, it's been an arduous off-season and that's why I've said the word arduous. Um, but we've made, we've made it. Today, we're going to be talking about a bit of NFL news because uh, it's actually been quite a bit over the last couple of days, including uh, today as well. We've got our eyes peeled uh, on the Twitter feed uh, about Leonard Fournette, see where he lands, if anywhere. So we'll break that to you if and when that happens. Uh, a bit of NFL news, yes, and we're also going to be looking ahead to the 2020 season and we're going to be looking at things that we're looking forward to to seeing play out. You know, some questions that we have uh, tucked away in our brains that we are looking forward to seeing the answers to uh, as the 2020 season rolls on. We have four people strong in the huddle for today's podcast. First uh, up, a, a couple of co-authors, and I, I'm very proud to say a couple of co-authors uh, on the, the fabulous full 10 yards at season guide, which we'll get to the plug for that in the minutes. But we'll bring in Mr. Rookie's, Mr. Rookie's guide himself, Sean Blundell. How are you doing, buddy? Well, good, mate. Thank you. Been a while since we've done a pod, so looking forward to having a good bit of football banter, mate, and chats. Um, but yeah, like, like you say, really, uh, really good news on the guide front, which we'll talk about shortly. Pleasure to be a part of, mate. And uh, I know certainly that rookie bit has, um, you know, gotten a few thumbs up already. So yeah, really, really proud to be a part of it, mate. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just, just on your point on the podcast, my, my microphone's been tucked away for, for the last couple of weeks while I've been slaving away on that. I must admit, I thought to myself today, I was like, how do, how do I do a how do I do a podcast? I can't, I can't even remember how to do one. Um, so hopefully, uh, hopefully the ring rust is uh, is not too prevalent, but uh, but we shall see. Uh, second of our co-authors in the huddle today, Mr. Retro uh, himself, Mr. Lawrence Voss. Lawrence, how are you doing? Seven. <laughs> um, I think. That's that's the noise that our um, our esteemed friend Jason Bell is going to be hoping not to hear after he was announced as a a member of Strictly Come Dancing 2020. So that was um, that's obviously big big news for us. But 99% of the country are going to be who on earth is that? Yeah. So good good luck to Jason and his twinkle toes. Yeah. Um, this coming few weeks. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure all of the BBC One uh, community that, that watch that channel have no idea who the hell that is. But they, I don't think they stay up late enough on a Saturday night, do they? Um, but I'm sure they'll get to know. They'll get to know him, and I'm sure they love him by the time uh, he hangs up his dancing shoes. Let me bring in the, the fourth person. The fourth person in the huddle today. So I suppose the, the correct analogy to use is that he's used he's accessed the transfer portal and he's transferred over to another conference. And of course, I'm talking about Mr. Kieran Patson from the College Podcast. Kieran, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How's everyone doing today? Yeah, we're not too bad. It's not too bad. It's busy, busy, busy on these shores. Obviously, you've been uh, been doing very well. I, I, I enjoyed your uh, stand up, uh, your stand up moment with uh, the player. Was it Player Unity? Or I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I quite enjoyed that. I must admit. So, uh, 
yeah, hoping for the same fire, the same energy uh, for for tonight's podcast as well, and on the NFL side. Is that can you can you bring that for us? Always, always. That's what we that's what we like to hear. Okay, just before we get into that fire and that energy, uh, like I said before, we have released a NFL season guide for the twenty twenty season. Something we've been slaving away over the last couple of months. It's had a really nice reception, so much so that it's been, uh, I dare I say, a bestseller on Amazon. So uh, thank you to to everyone that has uh, that's purchased that. Um, it's still available on Amazon. Obviously, if you purchase it now, obviously due to Amazon's printing uh, and dispatch kind of rules, I suppose it might be a bit tight. Like, by the time you listen to this type but yeah, if, you, if you buy it you do get access to the free pdf as well so make sure you send us uh, an email or get us on, on dms at twitter at full 10 yards send us a, a proof of purchase with your with your screenshot of your if you purchase of the guide and we'll send you the pdf version which is a little bit more updated since the uh, magazine went out as well so you can get that straight away in your inbox so that you can peruse whilst you wait for the hard copy to get into it also a quick shout out to five people in japan who, who have apparently bought it as well so i don't know who you are um i have no idea but uh, that we were so popular the five people in japan that are boy but yeah kudos to you uh, i should have, i should have learned a bit of japanese and said thank you in, in, in their native language but i didn't think of that until about five seconds ago so i can't um and also just a, a shout out to um helena tony and santini who have not only bought the uh, the pdf and the in the guide they've also left a five-star review on amazon as well so legends to you with that in mind, let's get into it then. Let's get our teeth into the, uh, into the main course. A couple of bits of NFL news just before we get into the 2020 vision part of the, of the podcast. Derwin James, uh, safety for the Los Angeles Chargers, is going to miss the 2020 season by all accounts. It needs knee surgery on a meniscus injury in his knee, which is another brutal injury uh, for the Chargers. Uh, obviously missed a portion of last year as well, just starting the five games in 2019. Have to wonder a little bit what that means for his uh, the contract that's potentially heading his way in the next year or so. But the former uh, the former pro, well, he is a pro bowler and an all-pro already uh, in his first two seasons, uh, safety out of Florida State. 98 solo tackles already in just those 21 career starts. Uh, but uh, it looks as though he won't be getting any this year by all accounts. Um, obviously, recently, last couple of hours at Bengals, running back Joe Mixon has reportedly uh, signed a four-year, $48 million dollar deal uh, extension you have to wonder what that means for Davin Cook and Alvin Kamara whether they get something similar I'm sure uh, their ears would have pricked up when they heard that news um, yeah I mean to be fair running back out of Oklahoma first couple of seasons in the NFL just shy of 3,000 total rushing yards uh, add, to, add to that almost a thousand uh, receiving yards through the air and 21 total touchdowns as well of course they can afford to do that kind of deal to a running back where you know it's not it's not um I'd say it's a bit of a team friendly deal a little bit, but obviously it's always eyebrow raising when running backs do get those kind of deals. Uh, but you can obviously do that when you've got a quarterback such as Joe Burrow. Uh, I, I dare not say any too many LSU words. Uh, otherwise, Kieran might start. <laughs> Kieran might start. I see him grinning there already. Uh, yeah, obviously Joe Burrow at, uh, on a rookie contract at the quarterback position, which has obviously uh, led to being able to do something like that for your running back. But I must say, uh, obviously, we've got a couple of Bengals fans in our in our full 10 yards team. And uh, dare I say, a bit of optimism once in the Bengals camp. And then finally, a couple of bits of news over in Jacksonville. Uh, Yannick Ngokwe has been traded to the Minnesota Vikings. He's agreed to rework his 2020 kind of franchise tender to help with the trade. He's looking to take about five million, I think it's over a $5 million hit on the wallet uh, to get the trade out of Jacksonville uh, and up to the north of uh, north of America. The Vikings will be sending a second round draft pick and a conditional fifth rounder in 2022. Um, yeah, it's quite an, quite an interesting one. We're get the fallout momentarily because the Jags uh, more Jags are heading to 
to the exit door, not least uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, where Doug Marone essentially just waved uh, the running back out again. Out of, it was LSU he was, wasn't he? It was a LSU-centric podcast. I don't know if that's got anything to do with you joining the podcast, Kieran, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, again, he's, he's hit the, the waivers. A couple of, apparently a couple of players have gone went to the to management and said they're tired of him. Don't know how much of that's true and don't know how much of that is clickbait, but... If we hear from it, we, if he's landed somewhere, because the waivers are due to clear very, very shortly indeed, we will let you know of that. But Sean, a bit of a discussion around it. Obviously, between 2013 and 2017, Jack, Jacksonville Jaguars had top five picks in the first round in every year of those, and none of those players are no, no, no longer on the team. Why is that? Uh, it's a difficult question to, to answer it. I mean, obviously, coming out of the draft, you would have sort of looked at the selections that they made each year, um, and you could understand why they took the players at the time that they did. Blake Bortles was always going to be a questionable one, but they obviously had him rated as their number one QB on their board, rightly or wrongly. Obviously, hindsight's wonderful, and we can now probably say that was obviously the wrong decision at the time. Um, but obviously, they went in with the conviction that he was their guy, and they were going to you know, make sure that they got him coming out of that draft. Um, there seems to be some character issues. Obviously, Jaden Ramsey, you know, fantastic player, but he obviously, you know, has had that bit of a, a sort of diva label, so to speak. Um, you just said there as well questions about Leonard Fournette and his work ethic. Um, I think there's a bit of a, a bigger overhanging question really with the Jags, and, and it's probably the question of the UK, if I'm being honest. Um, it's it's the rumour that won't go away. They're obviously the team massively associated with any sort of potential. UK slash London franchise, um, you know, I, I think that that needs to be put to bed one way or another for the Jags because I think a number of the players are looking at it as something that they you know don't particularly want to do from a career perspective in terms of continually making that travel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I think the impression a few years ago was that most people were probably in favour of a London franchise or a UK team. And I think opinion has probably changed on that slightly over time. I think more people that you talk to now sort of say that, you know, it's actually quite nice to just get the teams over and see different franchises and get to see different players. You know, we're obviously all fans of particular franchises and we wouldn't necessarily swap our allegiances to go and support a new team. Um, You know, but ultimately, you know, there's going to be a squad of 53 or, or 80 or 90 or however many players at the start of a training camp that are obviously affected by this personally. Uh, and I think it's a real cloud that hangs over that franchise, to be honest. And I think until that is put to bed in one way, shape or form, I think you're going to see, you know, continued transition there. Um, you know, you would suggest with the two players that are going out the door from a talent perspective, um, you know, they were obviously two of the Jags' better performers, you know, over the last few years. Um, and there's already talk, obviously, of, you know, a complete rebuild yet again. They just appear to be another one of those franchises in a league of parity. And I know it from, you know, my own allegiances of a team that seems to be continually <laughs> re- rebuilding. The rebuild never seems to quite happen. Um, and we just go through this three, four-year cycle. And, you know, here we are again with the Jags, don't forget as much as we can all laugh at Blake Bortles now, you know, three was it three years ago they were in the AFC Championship game? A couple and, minutes you know, away from beating the Patriots, yep. Exactly, you know, so it, it nearly, nearly paid off, you know, and it was obviously built around a strong defence. Um, but it, it, It's basically gone downhill since then, hasn't it, pretty rapidly. So big questions that need answering, um, you know, and ultimately, you know, I 
you know, I've already predicted in the season guide they were my pick for number one overall draft selection. Yep. Certainly the news the last couple of days has <laughs> certainly not <laughs> changed. That it's probably probably strengthened my view, it's safe to say. Um yeah, well, I think it's gonna be a real tough season for the Jags. Yeah, you can you can certainly tick that box. So, Kieran, we'll, we'll come to you in a minute, um, just about what the fallout and obviously you, you being a college person, uh, Mr. Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we'll get your ideas on that shortly. But Lawrence, where, what what happens to to Leonard for I know um, we'll say well, I'm, I'm monitoring the Twitter timelines to see where he's gone, if any. But um, where where, do, where does he end up? Because I've got a funny feeling that he's actually done in the NFL. We've got to look at injuries. I mean, we haven't had a preseason, so we've got players that haven't. You know, yeah, they're taking hits, but they're not taking live action game hits. So we really don't know what's going to happen. And we, you know, it's the, the NFL is notorious for huge injuries at the start of a season, huge injuries that change the fate of teams. So you've got a guy like Leonard Fournette who, you know, bad personality, um, but a half decent running back. I mean, he caught, he caught 76 passes last season which is pretty good going considering he's not really renowned for being a pass catching back. He was thrown to a hundred times. So, you know, they're, they're, there's some quality there. Yeah, his career average is is dead on four yards a carry, which is probably a little bit under what was expected. But I, I think there's plenty of teams that will look out for him. I mean, we look at the look at the Bears. David Montgomery's, you know, might not be back for two, three weeks. He could get picked up. The Redskins, sorry, what, what was what was the Redskins? The Washington <laughs> football team. Um, you know, they, they could do with a, um, a bruising running back. Adrian Peterson can't last forever. And Len Fournette's only been in the league for three years. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's, there's, there's quite a few teams that I think will be willing to pick him up. I, think he'll, I don't think he'll get claimed in waivers. I think he'll just get picked up after that. Um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 really interesting. I think the the issue with with Fournette is obviously it goes it's it's not particularly his on the field. It's a bit more of his attitude. I mean, there's there's some background to this, and and we knew as NFL fans there was trouble when the Jaguars decided not to pick up his fifth year option back in May. That was pretty much the the nail in his Jaguars coffin. So, you know, he, Doug Marone had been trying to, to get rid of him for, for months and months and no one was buying. He had his third year salary was just over four million a year and teams have gone, we can get somebody cheaper than that. We've, we've, we've got rookies, we've got, you know, we've, we've got plenty to choose from here. We've just got to hang on until that injury possibly happens and we need someone to, to plug and play. And it's not as if he's unfit. I mean, he was, it was two days ago, he was practicing in, in the Jags facility. So it's not an injury thing. So I, I think he will get picked up. Um, the, the problem, as I say, goes back to some of, his, some of his attitude. Look back to November 2018. He, he was actually on the bench, came off the bench, ran across the field and, and, and had a fight with the Bills defensive lineman, Shaq Lawson, in a, in a Jaguars loss. And then the next day, he's suspended for a game and the league kind of did him for unsportsmanlike conduct and unnecessary roughness. So that meant he lost his um, guaranteed money. And he's actually, even though he's been cut from the Jaguars, he's still trying to claim back that money 
that he lost back in 2018. And then he got into further bother towards the end of the 2018 season when he had a big row with a fan. And allegedly, we don't know that there was some sort of racial slur that came from the fans. So it could have been justified. It, you know, you, you, you know, you take your mind back to when Eric Cantona went at a fan. He probably didn't do it for no reason. So, you know, fans can say some pretty nasty things. Um, and then kind of towards the end of that season, Tom Coughlin, who was the, the, the VP at the time, criticised him and TJ Yeldon for sitting on a bench on their own and not being part of the team. So he'd, he'd kind of distanced himself already. It was just that he had that quite, quite good production in 2019. Surprised a lot of people. And I think with the catching and having over 1,100 rushing yards, he had quite a productive season. It was just the touchdowns. Um, were, were pretty miserable. Three touchdowns, I think, he had last season in total. So he's, he, he can get picked up. Um, I think people might leave it to the last minute till somebody else gets injured on their team. But I think he will find a home. Mm. One thing he won't like is uh, the reports coming out that the uh, apparently the New Orleans Saints are open to trade in Alvin Kamara. So that's an interesting one. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. Oh, and, and just just one final point. I think it was always a bad omen in terms of the amount of carries that Leonard Fournette had in his Jaguars career. Any guesses? 666. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Right, and Brighton was on the wall. But I think the dam- this is a bit before we move on, because I don't want to spend all, all night talking about Leonard Fournette. But um, it, was, it was quite damning that they actually, I think the Jaguars actually paid his salary for, for this year. So he, you know, Jaguars paid him, yet still wanted to cut him or get rid of him or waive him or whatever. So, um if he does sign with someone for now, he obviously he's going to get two salaries this year. So dare I say, he could be actually a winner out of all of this. But uh, yeah, be interesting to see how that one. He's not got a team as of as of yet. As I as I scroll through my Twitter, uh, but Kieran, obviously come come to you. Um, obviously, bigger picture here for for the Jaguars. Obviously, we said that uh, they've had top five picks within twenty thirteen to, to twenty seventeen. Obviously, all those picks are no longer there. You have to expect that um, they'll have a top five pick, if not a top one pick, come twenty twenty one, and that means that uh, Tre- Trevor Lawrence will be searching Google for places to stay in Jacksonville, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, you'd think so. If you heard the podcast with. Uh, we recorded yesterday I actually had them taking Jamar Chase first just due to the fact I thought they were going to load up on weapons for Minshew but given everything that's happened yesterday after we recorded I feel like that that plan's probably gone out the window now and mm. uh, Le- Leonard's a great running back but I think it's just a maturity issue at this point because mm. at LSU he, he wore the you know the daunted number seven and everyone loved him but the second he got to the NFL and he had millions of dollars in his hand, you just sort of see him regress and you see his behavior just sort of spiral. So I think it's maybe a maturity issue with him at this point and it might be good for him to, to go to another team and see if the culture there can really elevate his style of play. Yeah, it will, will be interesting. Yeah, like I say, sometimes people just need to change the scenery. So you know, generally that, that applies to anyone um, with, with Adam Gase. But um, yeah, we have to see what Adam, uh, what Leonard Fournette does there. Um, and, and the thing as well is with, with the... There, like you mentioned there, Sean, the the London or the Wembley uh, franchise hanging over over Jacksonville's head. You'd be interested to see what if Tre- Trevor Lawrence wants kind of wants out of that and doesn't even bother. Um, and, or you know, does a was it an Eli Mallin or someone who didn't want to play for for the team prior to being drafted? So it'd be interesting to see if that kind of manifests itself. But the one, one thing I will say about Jacksonville is I think they're more than Trevor a Trevor Lawrence away from being anything but in the doldrums for for a good long while. But uh, we shall wait and see. 
So that's a few bits of news, I suppose, uh, and we'll move on now to the main talking point for today. Uh, things we are looking forward to in finding out in 2020, I suppose one has to be now, how many games the Jags will win. Uh, what, do, what do you reckon, boys? Quick round table, Norton 16 season, Sean? Oh, no. They'll find a way to win a couple. I'll, get, I'll give them two. Lawrence, are they playing the Jets this year? Not sure. <laughs> give them two. Lawrence, how many, higher or lower than two? I'm optimistic. I'm I'm loving Mitch Mania. I'm I'm going higher. I'm going five wins. Uh, Kieran, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go two. I think that's a smart bet there by Sean. Yeah, over underline two. It'd be interesting. Um, see, interesting to see what the bookies do because I think they were about four and a half before all this. So it might be worth uh, all you shrewdies getting on getting on the unders for if it's four four and a half or anything like that. But uh, but we shall see. I know Lawrence will take the overs, but there we go. Um, okay, let's move on. Then things that we are looking forward to seeing play out in twenty twenty. Uh, I think I think first off, it's just worth pointing out we're just looking forward to see seeing the first kickoff. Obviously, all the other sports have have been affected, and obviously we've got pandemic going on. It's just going to be nice next Thursday, Friday morning, Thursday. Night if you're if you're in America, the the words ushered from of uh, um, Fox got it this year. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman saying uh, you know, Harrison Butker or Cami Fairbairn to kick off. I think will be music to the ears of everyone everyone watching uh, that broadcast. But so that, that's obviously the first thing we're, that I'm sure that uh, we're all in unity that we are looking forward to. But I'll, I'll start us off. Um, Purely because on the socials and when I put this question out, this was kind of the most common one that we got. I think I think the biggest question. Uh, that we're all looking forward to being answered uh, in 2020 is, is a kind of a storyline that's dominated the offseason. It's about who will have the better record in 2020. You know, the, the power couple's divorce of Belichick and Brady has happened. Um, many, many questioned whether it would actually, um, career-wise, Brady's 20, 219 and 64 with the Patriots. Uh, obviously, six Super Bowls to boot as well. And big old Bill, Bill Belichick, 237 and 83 record as the head coach of the Patriots as well. Rakesh, uh, who got in contact with us on Twitter, also notes they'd be interested and see how Brady uh, will operate outside the Belichick and McDaniels playbook and the ethos of obviously the team. Um, you do have to wonder as well how much Arians has kind of accommodated uh, accommodated that fourth old tempered Tom. But uh, Kieran, obviously you're a Pats fan. Um, get your thoughts very quickly on this one. Are you are you looking forward to those those two being divorced? And, and if so, you know, which who wins? You know, either neither or both. Uh, I think Bill just because he is a genius coach. I'm not going to talk down on Tom. He's obviously the greatest player of all time, and I think he's going to do great things in Tampa. And I think, honestly, he can probably drag Tampa into the playoffs and maybe even take him to the Super Bowl. But I think I think Bill's going to come out the better of it just because he is probably the most genius coach of all time, and we still have the number one defense in the NFL. Mm, I, mean, I saw a Subway advert that he's done recently as well. That was quite interesting. But uh, <laughs> adverts, aren't his, adverts aren't his forte, shall we just say. Uh, I think that's an American advert as well, so maybe that's not going to be uh, broadcast too much over on, on these shores. But, uh, uh, Sean, what do you, how do you reckon it plays out? Who, who has the better record, Brady or Belichick in, in 2020? I think it's a really, really interesting debate, isn't it? Because, you know, you would you would assume, and I think everybody has assumed. I haven't heard anybody yet say that they think Tampa are going to completely blow up. You know, everybody just assumes that you know Brady's going to rock up there with Gronk, and you know, obviously, probably a better supporting cast of offensive weapons, certainly on the outside, than what he's had in a number of years. And you know, everyone's just expecting miracles. I think it's actually been quite refreshing to hear him talking about the fact that he has struggled 
in terms of you know having to learn a new offense you know i think people don't really understand the complexities of the game you know and that's even you know people like us that are sitting here talking about it who you know have a relative knowledge of it you know the the, the complexities of what goes into it must be incredible and for a guy that's won as much as he has to, to sort of you know at the back end of his career so he, he's struggling to adjust to a new surrounding and a new environment just goes to show how difficult it can be um so it will be really interesting on the flip side of it. You know, obviously, you know, it seems as though from the outside looking in, um, you know, that, that Kami's probably winning that sort of job in terms of any quarterback um, battle that there may or may not have been heading into camp. It seems like it's pretty much Cam's job from everything that you read and, and hear. Um, you know, and he's obviously going to have a huge chip on his shoulder. It'll be interesting to see how he plays because he's obviously you know had the, the sort of license if you like to certainly run more often than you know I mean Brady's probably got 10 rushing yards in his career hasn't he let's face it you know Cam's obviously a weapon inside the 10 yard line himself so it'll be really interesting to see how it goes I, I would probably agree with Kieran I think you, you've got to go with with Belichick probably having the slight edge in that in, in terms of a one-on-one matchup um but obviously, like I say, it will be it will be very very interesting to watch both of them. And I've got to give Lawrence a shout out because he knows I love a, a funky name and something that catches my attention. He's called it bag watching. He wants to watch Brady and Gronk <laughs> bag watching. I think that, that that's got some legs in it. That has mate bags. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that combination. I think you know it's seeing seeing Brady and Gronk back together. I mean they. You've got to remember, they, they combined for just under 8,000 yards, just the two of them, and 78 touchdowns in, in New England. Um, they were teammates for a whole decade, and um, Brady's even thrown to Gronk 23 times in four Super Bowls, and they've won two Super Bowls together and lost two together. So, I'm, I'm you know, if, if you were to ask me, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you, gents. I, I think the Buccaneers are going to go further than the um, Patriots will in the 2020 season. Bit of controversy there. No, I'll make it two and two, Lawrence. I think uh, I think the Buccaneers have a better record than uh, the Patriots this season. But it remains to be seen. Certainly, obviously, that's a bit more level now, considering that Cam Newton signed, uh, obviously, this off-season as well. But... Um, yeah, I suppose we'll have to put up with every week of, you know, depending on the teams of the respective results of the respective teams saying, oh, it's going to, you know, if Tampa win and New England loses, oh, it's all Brady. And then obviously if it's the reciprocation of that, it's going to be, oh, it's all Belichick and not Brady, blah, blah, blah. So we will have to put up with that for a little while in the early goings. And obviously at the end of the season as well, depending on how those two teams fare. But um, yeah. It's just part of the course, isn't it? Unfortunately, this is what we've got to go through. But yeah, it will be. It will, it, I would say that's probably the most the thing that most people are looking forward to seeing being answered. Um, you know, obviously we, we compare it to Messi and Ronaldo, and you know, obviously Messi's never changed teams, and obviously he's now looking to change teams, which is quite interesting. But this isn't a soccer podcast, so we won't dwell on that. Lawrence, give us uh, give us one or two things that you're looking forward to to seeing uh, in 2020. Play. I, I assume L. Jax is on the uh, your darling husband's on the uh, on the docket. Of course he is. Of course he is. Number one. I mean, I think, you know, he's, he's going to break another record very, very early on this season. The, this is going to be the record for the most rushing yards by a quarterback in the first three years of their career. That record's currently held by um, Cam Newton, who got 2,032 rushing yards in three full seasons. And that was not missing a game. That was in 48 games. 
And, and Cam Newton had an incredible 28 touchdowns in those first three years. I don't think that's a record that is going to be beaten for a very, very long time by a quarterback. But Lamar just needs 132 yards. And he can probably do that, Sean, close your ears, against the Browns in week one. Very, very possible. And he's already broken the record for the most rushing yards by a quarterback in three seasons. So at the rate that he's going, um, he will surpass Michael Vick as the leading running back rusher sometime early in 2024. Michael Vick had 6,109 rushing yards in total over 14 years. I say years, not seasons, because don't forget, um, Michael Vick's career included a stint behind bars. So um, I'm, I'm just always optimistic about Lamar Jackson. And I've been, I've been looking for a, a cheap shirt of his because I just, I just feel I've got to wear one for the pod because I'm, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, he's I'll, that important. If we, if we sell enough season cards, I'll sort you one out, Lawrence. How about that? Okay, and, and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm coming back at you. I'm, this is a, all three of you guys. You know I like to do it. Quiz question. I've only got one in this pod. So of the top 17 all-time quarterbacks rushing yards, there are five that are active. Can you name those five? There are three obvious ones and two not-so-obvious ones. Go for it. Kieran's eager. He's got his hand up. Go for it, mate. Go on, go on Kieran. I'm, I'm going to throw the wild card because I know he has over a 1,000 rushing yards. I'm going to say Tom Brady is one of them. No. No? No. Not My in the Lord. top 17. Not in the top 17. So Cam Newton. Yeah, Cam's an obvious one. Yeah. LJX. No, no, no. He hasn't got there yet. Not He's there, under yeah. 2,000. He's under 2,000. About Sean Watson. No, he's not there yet either. Russell Wilson. Yeah, Russell Wilson. That's the Drew Brees. No, Drew Brees is not a Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's the three obvious ones. Now you'll prove yourself to be geniuses if you get the the other two. I might have to give them all give them to you. No, we'll have a, we'll have a crack. For the not obvious have a crack. Ones. Have a crack. Tyrod Taylor. No, no. Big Ben. No, that's that's a good good try, but no, these are stunners when I say them. Kirk Cousins. We could. Be, no, we could be at the twenty twenty one season by the time <laughs> we get this question. Aren't I'll, you going to have to? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, and I want to see the look on your faces when I say them. The first one is Alex Smith, and the second one, who's ranked seventeenth all time for rushing quarterbacks. Don't you dare say Philip Rivers. No, Fitzmagic. <laughs> Ah, oh, Fitzmagic. Yeah, Fitzmagic. Yeah. yeah. Can't keep a good man down, can you? Can't keep a good man down. Indeed. They probably add to that this season as well, to, to be fair. So there we go. Um, right, okay, Sean, give us, give us one thing or one or two things that you're, you're looking forward to, to seeing in 2020. So let, let's carry on talking about rushing. And just to point out, Lawrence, we had five-minute chat there about Lamar Jackson. We never talked about him throwing the ball. But anyway, we'll gloss over that. Um, <laughs> I think I think this year we may see another record broken. So last year we obviously had Michael Thomas smashing the receptions record. I think we could see the rushing record go this year in terms of yardage. And I put that down predominantly to the fact that we haven't had this sort of regular preseason. 
Um, you know, generally it takes offences a bit of time to warm up, and I think a lot of teams will probably lean on the run a little bit more than they probably have done in recent years as a way of sort of combating that. Um, yeah, there has been a bit more of a trend in recent years as well. And you mentioned Mixon earlier that some of these top running backs are now getting paid, you know, what they probably deserve to be paid. And I think that we could see, um, you know, somebody eclipse the Eric Dickerson um, rushing total. Um, bit of a bold prediction there, but like I say, it's a, I think it's something that potentially could be done this year. I think there's a, a few candidates that are out there, you know, Derrick Henry will go close. I think a lot of the Titans' offense will obviously go through Derrick Henry. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I think we're all expecting big things from Zeke this year with Mike McCarthy down in in Dallas and obviously plenty of weapons on the outside to potentially take some men away from the box. I'm encouraged to see what Nick Chubb can do in a scheme that probably suits his running style and Kevin Stefanski, you know, with more sort of help on the line in terms of two tight ten sets. You know, Chubb got over 1,500 yards last year behind a pretty dodgy offensive line. It's obviously been upgraded at the tackle positions and and scheme-wise, it would seem to fit him as well. So, I mean, there's three. There's probably more that we could name. Um, But I, I think you could find a 2,000-yard-plus rusher this year, which, uh, you know, for me, someone who likes watching running backs get to work, um, you know, would be really good to see. Mm, bit more, you, you probably want to get on the uh, old requester bets on the old bookies for that. For that, We might get a decent price for that as well, a bit of a bit of investment for you this season as well. Okay, Kieran, moving on to you then, what are you, what's one thing that you're looking forward to, a question being answered in, in 2020 or something you're just looking forward to seeing play out? Uh, most excited to see Drew Locke play, actually. He had a very strong finish to last season. I know touchdown to interception ratio wasn't elite by any means, but he's proven that he can make NFL-type throws. He's fairly accurate, and he's got a pretty big arm. And now he's got guys like Jerry Judy there, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hambler, Noah Fant. All these guys are going to be catching passes from him, and he's he's probably looking to put himself into one of the top 10 QB conversations this year, if he can build on what he had last year. He's already built, beaten Elway by one game to, uh, what is it, most wins by a rookie quarterback at the Broncos. He went 4-1 and one in his last five games, uh, 64% pass completion. I think, you watch, you watch him play, you, you, he can play and he can make the throws he needed. He's thrown some back shoulder fades and stuff into the end zone. I think if he... Builds his confidence a bit because you can see some passes he, you know, short arms him a little bit because I think he's a, a little bit hesitant just being his first season in the NFL. I think it's going to be a very interesting year for Broncos fans. I think they finally found their guy. I, I certainly agree. I'm 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 all in on on Dem, on Denver and Drew Lock. I, I went a couple of months ago. I went back and watched his last four or five games or whatever it was. And some of the, the thing I was impressed with the most. And I, I'm I'm far from a scout or I'm far from Brian Baldinger who can break down this that and the other. But I must admit the, the throws the, the throws he makes whilst on the run and, and scrambling are ama- amazing. They're, they're kind of um, you know some some of them are a bit erratic, you know, erratic but yeah you expect that when you when you jump from from college to the NFL in, in your first season and and you play your first couple of games. But I, I think the off season with now with the weapons that he has, uh, Kieran, I, I agree. I'm, I'm all in on Drew Lock. That, that goes with fantasy as well. And you know, bold prediction for me, I think Denver could be a top five offense this season. Uh, they've got the de- they've, they've got the uh, defense as well on the on the other side. But um, interesting to see what they do with the run game. Obviously, they've got three decent decent running backs there, and obviously big signing of, of Melvin Gordon. But I, I think Drew Lock's got all the weapons. And I say I, I saw enough on those five games. Um, that you know, minimizes. It's all about minimizing mistakes, obviously. But I, I think there's enough there on the ceiling to to, to kind of build a, a very high house. 
uh, for, for Drew Locke and, and the Broncos. Lawrence, what did you, uh, were you in on Drew Locke? Well, it's it's more the fact that he's a second year quarterback. Yeah. If you if we if we look back at the last two league MVPs, both second year quarterbacks, Lamar obviously and um, Patrick Mahomes. So for me, one of one of the things that I'm going to find fascinating, and, and Drew Lock is part of that that kind of group, is you know who between Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Drew Lock. Um, or Gardner Minshew, and I'm not counting Dwayne Haskins, so <laughs> just I'm not getting excited about him at all. But you know, who, who, which second year quarterback is going to have that sort of MVP type season? Me personally, I've, I, I think Kyler Murray is going to have a monster 2020. So if you were to ask me out of those second year quarterbacks, I'd, I'd put my, um, you know, couple of gold nuggets on on Kyler Murray I don't know about about um, Sean and Tim which second year quarterback excites you the most go on, go on Sean you go first yeah, yeah I'd probably go along with Kyler Murray and it probably leads to a, another question I know something Kieran's sort of brought up as well which is you know are the Cardinals for real you know there's a lot of hype about the Cardinals almost to, to some extent dare I say this year's version of of the Browns you know in terms of the off-season hype and bringing a lot of talent in uh, and there's obviously huge expectations there. Um, you know, he's obviously got, arguably, certainly in terms of probably my generation, if you like watching the NFL over the last sort of 15, 20 years, in Larry Fitz, probably the best receiver, or certainly one of the best receivers of that of that time. He's certainly going straight into the Hall of Fame when his time comes. Um, obviously, Ian Hopkins now as well to partner to partner him. Um, you know. Christian Kirk's obviously, you know, had had some sort of struggles to start with, but obviously still got plenty of potential. Um, Kenyon Drake obviously had a very nice end to last season, but I think everyone's all of a sudden expecting Kenyon Drake's just going to automatically go and rush for fifteen hundred yards this year, which he may well do. But lots of questions with that team. Certainly exciting though. Um, I would agree though. Out of all the second years, Carter's probably the one. But I know, Kieran, it's something you're looking forward to. What's your view on on the Cardinals? Do you think they are a playoff team? I think. In terms of personnel, yeah, the Cardinals have a good shot at the playoffs. My biggest problem with the Cardinals is Cliff Kingsbury. I don't think he's really coming out of Texas Tech. He wasn't, you saw he, he had trouble building a winning culture and obviously he had guys like Pat Mahomes come through, but that was more Pat Mahomes being talented than it was Cliff Kingsbury's coaching. I know he runs like a sort of flashy air raid style offense, trickles down from guys like Mike Leach, uh, but I don't think he's... I don't think he's good enough to win in the NFL or at least take a team deep in the playoffs. I think the players there certainly are more than talented enough. Kyler Murray is one of the best quarterbacks in the league going into this year in terms of talent. He can, he's got wheels on him. He throws a great ball, strong spiral, but I think Cliff's King, Cliff Kingsbury needs to, to be gone before that team's going to succeed in the playoffs because I don't think he's got I don't think he knows how to build a winning culture, but I also think he doesn't know how to coach the players he's got to the their full potential. 
Mm, interesting interesting take that um yeah funny enough we should be talking about mvp actually because i obviously we do plugs at the end but i I recently did an mvp article where um i readily passed over kyler murray just purely because of the criteria generally you need uh to uh to be an mvp obviously Lawrence, she said their last couple have obviously been second year quarterbacks but you also need the team to be a double digit win team and i can't see with the team the, the arizona cardinals in the nfc west i just can't see even being favorable and giving them you know the 50 50s i can't see them getting to 10 and funnily enough i actually uh, i think drew lock was about it was it was a massive price i, I put in towards the end uh, i haven't got it in front of me maybe i'll get i'll, I'll get it at some point but yeah i, I actually put drew lock as a, as a dark horse for um mvp uh, betting uh, i mean obviously you in again you're in the in a tough division that uh, has a one mr patrick Mahomes, but so obviously winning the division is gonna be a, a tough one for them but i can certainly see denver getting to, to double digit wins and and coming from the you know out of nowhere to, to do that and i think let's say there's enough untapped potential there with with drew lock and um, so uh, uh, going back to your original question lawrence i would say that the 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 QB that I'm most looking forward to watching uh, in their second year is going to be Drew Locke. Although, you know, you named, you reeled off all the names there and even, you know, including Minshew, obviously you've got a lot of love for him as well. Is that, it actually could be a very sneaky QB, a good QB class. Um, obviously there wasn't, there wasn't much love for it apart outside really of Kyler Murray. Uh, and obviously everyone raised their eyebrows and smirked at Daniel Jones going at number six overall. But I think, I think there's um, some sneaky good, uh, some QBs in, in, in this draft class. So it'd be interesting to see how, obviously we've got more loads and loads more years uh, left to play out to see you know, how, how much of an effect, a ripple effect they leave on uh, their footprint on the NFL. But uh, yeah, I, I, of considering the opinion going into, to the, the 2020 uh, sorry the 2019 uh, draft class with the QBs um, yeah they've, they've more than impressed uh, in, in my opinion in that, that includes everyone uh, from, from Gala Minchu down to, to obviously Kyler Murray as well who's taken to the NFL like a, a duck to water uh, right okay Kieran over, over to you what, what's uh, one or two one or two things that you are um, I know you said yours didn't you <laughs> so over to me um, so but yeah obviously I'm going to go with a home pick here I'm, I'm very intrigued to see uh, I mean it's not quite Brady and Belichick but I'm quite interested to see whether it was Jason Garrett or the Dallas Cowboys players that were um, that led us to a 85 and 67 record over the last 10 years uh, two and three in the postseason and just four winning seasons out of all of those so um, it'd be very more uh, very 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 interesting to see whether or not it was Jason Garrett's shackles holding them back and holding them down uh, and whether or not they can now spring like a like a free a free-spirited bird uh, just been let out of his cage but um no, obviously no championship appearances obviously since I've been a fan, so I'm not sure that I've cursed them, but um, that, that's the minimum requirement for me this year, if, if, I, if I'm being honest as a, as a Dallas fan. Uh, got the talent, got the quarterback, um, despite what anyone else says about that, uh, Dak Prescott, I'm not here to, to discuss that. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if it was the head coach or if it was the Paula players, because we've, we've had a lot of talent on that team over the last decade or, or so. You know, yeah, I'm not saying that Tony Romo's a Hall of Famer and... Uh, and all the rest, obviously, because he was he was undrafted. But um, you know, considering you know Terrell Owen, Des Bryant, Zeke Elliott, Demarco Murray, uh, and that's just you know guys guys on offense. You know, you've got that 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 all pro uh, offensive line that we had for years. That was was the Great Wall of Dallas. And uh, yes, we've not had the greatest of defenses. Uh, but you know, people like Sean Lee certainly at least deserve to be in the championship game, uh, and not you know not two and three in the playoffs. That's 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 for sure. But uh, yeah, again, a bit of a homer pick. But I think there'd be quite a lot of people interested to see because uh, everyone obviously we like to make fun of Jason Garrett on the, on this podcast, and I know quite a lot of people do as well with his clapping and all the rest of it. But it'd be just interesting to see uh, again 
uh, which one it was, you know, was it, was it McCarthy? Uh, is it, is it the head coach or was it the players? And obviously McCarthy's coming off, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we were talking about, was it Aaron Rodgers or was it Mike McCarthy? So, um, okay. <laughs> be interesting to just to see how, how that plays out. So, uh, Lawrence, you were waving or clapping. Were you clapping me there? <laughs> Lots of clapping. Lots, Lots of, clapping. of clapping. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So any, anything that, anything that's a change in the NFC East makes me happy. Any always, any uncertainties? It's all good. Yeah, there's always change in the NFC East. I don't think the same team have won it for the last back to back NFC East titles for the last decade or something like that. Anyway, but uh, Lawrence, any any more um, any any more things you're looking forward to? Yeah, I think um, let's let's get excited about um, going to Sin City um, and the the Las Vegas Raiders. They they'll be hosting their first ever game on the 22nd of September against the Saints, which is a Quite a juicy, juicy home game. And the, the last time the Raiders actually left Los Angeles was just before the start of the 95 season when they went, to, when they went back to Oakland, um, which was their original home. And it actually took them six seasons to reach the playoffs when they moved. Um, but when they did, they won three consecutive division titles and reached a Super Bowl as well. Um, the one thing that I'm, I'm really, really, really happy as, as Mr. Retro is the fact that um, double Super Bowl winning um, head coach, former head coach Tom Flores, is a finalist for the Hall of Fame, which is really, really, really long overdue. He won two Super Bowls as a head coach. He won a Super Bowl as an assistant coach with the Raiders. And what you may not know is he actually won a Super Bowl as a backup quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs back in 1969, backing up Len Dawson. So the guy's got four Super Bowls, um, four Super Bowl wins. Um, he's the, he was the first Hispanic quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Um, and he was the first Hispanic head coach to win a Super Bowl. So I just, I, I'm just so looking forward to Tom Flores getting in the Hall of Fame. So not only have we got the excitement of the Las Vegas Raiders kicking off their first season um, in the desert, um, I'm also looking forward to Tom Flores getting the credit that he's finally due. You can take, you can take retro out of, uh, you can take the Lawrence out of retro, but you can't take the retro out of Lawrence. Uh, Kieran, you, you are nodding there like the uh, Churchill dog on the back of your car. Uh, you should get a sore neck if you keep doing that. What, uh, what were you nodding in agreement? I am very, very excited to see Josh Jacobs this year. I think if because he, he's going to be healthy, hopefully, fingers crossed, if he can play like he did last year and then obviously stay healthy, he has, uh, you know, he has a very good chance of staking his claim as a top five running back in the league. Everyone who watched the Raiders last year, he was a bright spot on a, you know, I was hopeful for the Raiders last year, but Josh Jacobs was easily the best part of the team last year. He was fantastic, and I think he's really going to make a difference this year. And if he can build on what he did last year, you're going to be looking at Josh Jacobs as possibly Offensive Player of the Year and one of the best running backs in the entire NFL. Mm, yeah, Josh, Josh Jacobs certainly is one that uh, differs in opinion. So it's more, more so when it comes to uh, fantasy football, obviously with the uh, pass-catching duties, it will be intriguing, certainly for fantasy owners that have maybe invested a higher pick on him. 
uh, to see whether or not he kind of returns the goods that you know, back of the first round. Yeah, quick Kieran point to himself there. Um, so I know um, I know David Davenport, our uh, fantasy guru, is uh, certainly all on the board that all on the top of that hill, shouting and screaming. But he was also on the Leonard Fournette one, so I don't know if we can take him too seriously. <laughs> uh, shout out to David. Hope you're okay, mate, and hope you've uh, you've consoled yourself by now. Uh, Sean, any more any more bits that you're potentially looking forward to in 2020? Yeah, I just want to have a shout out to, to what, in my opinion, is a fantastic new set of TV deals and coverage that we're going to have for this year. Um, I, I kind of got on my soapbox a little bit when it was announced because the amount of people that I heard moaning and complaining and you sort of step back and you think, hang on a minute, chaps, we're getting five live games a week as a minimum. We're getting basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week coverage. We've got access to documentaries and all sorts of different things. And you think, you know, this is a sport that when I started watching it sort of 15, 20 years ago, you know, there was one game, it was, you know, very minimal coverage. It was never, ever going to take off in this country. And you fast forward to where we are today, and I just think we are incredibly fortunate in a time when, you know, let's face it, Sky Sports is doing some strange things with some of its coverage. It's, you know, it's cutting a number of shows. It's getting rid of a number of its sort of more high-profile presenters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but the fact that, you know, they've invested so much into the coverage of this sport for yet another five years, I just think is absolutely tremendous. And we've got so much, you know, coverage to look forward to. Um, you know, all the primetime games, I'm sure that there'll be the regular debates every Sunday about why they picked this game for the six o'clock window and I didn't want it blacked out so I could watch it on Game Pass and all of this kind of crap that we have to put up with every single week. But I think, you know, let's be honest, what an absolutely fantastic um, bit of news for us that, you know, for another five years now, we're guaranteed some wall-to-wall NFL football coverage and obviously the new channel starts up in earnest from Thursday, I believe, um, with, um, is it 32 live? I think they're going to get around all 32 NFL franchises in the sort of three-hour um, opening of the TV channel going live. Um, so something for all NFL fans to look forward to there, I would suggest. Go on, Mr. Voss. I was just going to say, you, you, you're you just a young whippersnapper, Sean, with your 15 to 20 years experience. I've worked it out that this is my coming up in in a week or so it is my 35th NFL season 35th so when I first started watching it it was channel four highlights that were a week old we were competing with songs of praise and highway and then this strange thing on this channel that you, you didn't know what on earth was on and then suddenly there's these people in shoulder pads and helmets and I was like this is this is blowing my mind as a as like a you know 10 11 year old um so you know with the with the whole Frankie goes to Hollywood's um soundtrack in the background um to where we are now when you can stream every second of your favorite team's entire season we 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 have to be very very grateful to what we've got so to make myself feel even older I mean I remember when it was the the Rod Rust-led Patriots. Um, I remember when we had the Houston Oilers. And, and I also remember when the Seattle Seahawks were in the AFC. So there we go. You've carried it well, Lawrence. You've carried it well. 35 years of carries there. Or part of that, I don't know what position. I'm, I'm trying to make you play there. But you've, you've carried it well. That's what I'm trying, what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, any, any, any more for any more before I go to the socials? Yeah, just, just wanted to 
mention a tiny bit just about the the Washington football team, which no longer has a nickname, which I personally think is a good decision that they haven't rushed into giving the team a new name. I know it's been popular, the the Red Tails and the Red Wolves, and we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. But I think it's a really sensible move. And then some of the things, some of the personnel moves, so this is the non-playing moves that the, the Washington football team have made, have been outstanding. First of all, we've hired the first minority um, black president for a team in Jason Wright, who is a former pretty kind of no-named running back from um, many years ago. And he, his claim to fame is, well, despite the fact he scored two touchdowns in, in the regular season, his claim to fame is being almost knocked out in a pre-season game by a Vikings defensive lineman who was number 69 and was actually Brock Lesnar. Eight-time WWE champion Brock Lesnar had a trial in pre-season with the Minnesota Vikings and Brock Lesnar almost knocked the head off Jason Wright in a pre-season game. So there's your ridiculous fact for the day. So with the, the Washington football team also recruited a lady called Julie Donaldson, who is the first your, your female vice president. <laughs> My, my best friend, and I swear to God, by the end of this season, <laughs> I am getting an interview out of her. She, she is absolutely lighting up Twitter. She's doing loads and loads of good content. Even if, you, if you're not a Washington fan, give her a follow because she's great. But that interview is going to happen. <laughs> Uh, I, I hope so. I hope it's hope, hope it happens sooner rather than later for your, uh, your, tw- your tweet count. But there we go. Kieran, what you got? Uh, I just want to say that I actually do have a bit more respect for Roger Goodell now for having a sit down and a talk the other day. Um, it was very interesting to see him actually comment uh, on how social justice matters should be handled in the NFL. And it was good to see that even though generally a hated figure in the NFL was maybe accepting a bit of responsibility for the NFL, maybe not doing enough for minority players. So I think it's very important that we did that. And I do have, I'm not going to boo him at draft night anymore. I have a bit of respect for that man for coming out and saying, look, this is a hard conversation, but it needs to be had. And I think that's going to really progress some social justice, uh, matters in the NFL and I think it's good that you said players can wear names and stuff on their helmets that uh, for people who've been affected by police violence or other social injustices going on in the world so I think that was big and I don't think it's being given enough attention just because everyone is normally on the the hate Roger Goodell bandwagon so I think big move from Roger Goodell and I I think it it just needs some more light called to it because I have a lot of respect for him for doing that. I mean, I think he actually likes enjoy, enjoys the booze, so um, I'm not sure they go anywhere any anywhere, anytime soon. But Sean, uh, over to you. You've been waiting very patiently there. No, just just agreeing with what's been said there. I think you know, I think the league have done a much better job in terms of reacting to it this year, and they've they've got out in front of it. I don't think they're going to get uh, drawn into any sort of you know off the field political debates about what's right, what's wrong. They're going to stand by the players, and you know, I think the. The NBA um, have sort of led the way with that over over recent days, you know, you know, and hats off to them for for what they've done. 
Um, you know, I don't think the NFL are going to follow suit this year. So, you know, I'm, I'm fully in support of that. Um, I, I suppose that the breaking news that we wanted to bring you about Leonard Fournette and his destination, mate, I think it's a fairly reliable source now is that he's gone unclaimed. Um, so he, he has cleared waivers. So, mm. uh, yeah, so there you go. He give it, is, two, give it two minutes, Bill. Big Bill, pick, pick him up. Big, give it two minutes. Um, yeah, he beat me to the punch there on that one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Leonard Fournette has gone unclaimed, so we uh, can't bring you any bra- any breaking news live on the podcast because there isn't any to do, any to do so. <laughs> um, okay, um, I think what we'll do now is we'll move on to the socials. Thanks for everyone who got in touch with us to to give us their fin- their opinions and their thoughts on what they're looking forward to to seeing it play out. Um, Scott Halcrow uh, has obviously said, "How will teams? Obviously, this is a big one over the over the summer as well." How teams react with no fans I suppose we have to caveat that now a little bit with the fact that some teams will have some fans and some teams obviously won't but um, Sean do we think do we think that obviously those teams that get the, the in their quotes home field advantage do you think that they will suffer you know, to, to, to the point where they won't perform as well as, as, they, as they might or you know, do, do, you, do you think that there's going to be that much of an advantage for those that don't get home field advantage to, to be able to perform as well I, personally I, I, don't, I, I don't see it especially if they're going to be wiring in some noise on, on, some, you know, on the surround sounds with crowd noise and all that. I, I don't really see the big impact of having fans or, or no fans personally um, I know a couple of times I've mentioned it on hard knocks it's been weird with no one kind of being there and at practices and when they did the scrimmage in the, in the new stadium. But I, I don't see the big impact personally. Yeah, I think it's going to be an adjustment. And look, you know, some players are going to thrive off an atmosphere and crowd noise and energy more than others. Um, you know, we've seen that now in enough sports since, you know, we've, we've got back from, you know, all sports being closed down. Um, you know, I think ultimately the best teams and the best players will still be the best teams and the best players. Um, it's obviously a slightly different situation here in that some stadiums will have a small number of fans and some stadiums will have none, um, which is, you know, an interesting decision. You know, you would have thought potentially the league could have said, well, it's just a blanket, regardless of what's happening in the locality. You know, there's no fans allowed because we don't want to be seen to be giving anybody any sort of competitive advantage. Um, But then again, we have to also, you know, take it as, you know, the size of America as a country, obviously, compared to where we are, it's you know, it's it's obviously monumental. So you know, if there's hardly any cases in a certain part of the of the country, then it would seem silly to not allow fans into the stadiums to obviously enjoy. You know, sport is about the fans. You know, and ultimately, you know, the quicker we get fans back into every sport, the better. But no, I don't think it's going to have a huge impact. I think you know, it'll be interesting to see how the teams react overall. Who deals best with? The new conditions, um, you know, I think that's going to be really, really interesting subplot to the whole season. Mm. Um, you know, but I certainly don't think that the the home field advantage or disadvantage, whichever way you want to look at it, should be too much of a factor. Yeah, and I think outside of week one and week two, I think no one pay attention come week three, four, and, and onwards as well. And it's obviously, it might be a bit different if when it comes to to the playoffs. I think by that that time, you'd hope that fans have been allowed uh, in the stadiums. But we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, Lee Stevenson gets in touch with us and says, "Which new head coach will have the best winning records?" Uh, and obviously, I'm going to go Mike McCarthy on that one. So, um, anyone want to have a stab at someone different? Obviously, we've got Joe Judge, uh, Ron Rivera, obviously in the NFC East, a couple of others. I think there's a couple of others dotted around. Uh, I'm on a hiding to nothing here, aren't I? Because if I say Kevin Stefanski, you'll just <laughs> say I'm being a homer. But realistically, it's either Stefanski or McCarthy, isn't it, on paper? Let's be honest, because 
Judge Rivera and Rule, you know, have got huge rebuilding jobs, you would assume, in their, you know, respective franchises. Um, so you would you would assume it's either Stefanski or McCarthy. Let, mm. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. So just just to be competitive, I'll go for Stefanski. Kieran, is that why you you're not in agreement? I was, I was going to agree with you there, Sean. I think Stefanski has, yeah, yeah. Stefanski has all the pieces. Obviously, I think last year Cleveland would have been a lot better if they hadn't had a first time head coach. Freddie Kitchens was didn't really know what he was doing. So I, f- I think Cleveland, once again, have one of the best rosters in the NFL on paper. They've now got some help for Baker Mayfield and Stefanski's going to know how to use Baker Mayfield to his fullest potential. So I'm, I'm going to be in agreement with Sean there. I think Stefanski's going to have the best record this year. How dare you come on this podcast and not like not, not big up the Cowboys? You're welcome anytime. Welcome anytime, Well, the problem is with Jerry Jones is he only employs head coaches who are, I'm going to put this as politely as I can, kiss his butt. He, he likes to employ yes men and people who aren't going to push back against him too much, which is why he had Jason Garrett there for as long as he did, because Jason Garrett wouldn't push back at him and would let Jerry sort of make too many moves and be too intrusive as an owner. I think once Jerry realises he's not a head coach, he's not a GM, the Cowboys will get a million times better. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. He's, he's, he's loosening the shackles. He's loosening the shackles, trust me. Um, okay, moving on, moving swiftly on. Uh, Sam Cook gets in touch. He must be an AFC South fan. I'm not quite sure which team, though, but he says, be interesting to see about the Rivers at the Colts, the Taylor and Mac uh, for RB1 duties, and Nucleus Texans, uh, and Will Henry repeat his 2019 success on the ground. Um, Jamie Garwood gets in. We have a quick round table here as well because it's an interesting division. He's interested to see uh, who will win the NFC South. Obviously, Brady moving over to that division. We have a quick round table. One word answers, please. Sean, who's winning NFC South? Uh, Saints. Lawrence? Bucks. Kieran? Saints. Yeah, I think I think I think I put Saints as well. Um, very much. If you're a betting person as well, Saints price is uh, is, is quite juicy, uh, considering that now it's obviously it's been blown up by the fact that Tom Brady's over there in uh, Tampa Bay. Um, blah, blah, blah. What else have we got here? Someone has put a rising in. Will there be a rise in injuries this season? Uh, not put the name down, so I do apologise for that. Uh, yeah, but do we, will we see a rise in injuries this season? Um, obviously, it hasn't felt like there's been any more. I, th- I think certainly in the offseason, uh, there's not really been any more injuries than normal. Obviously, you've got the devastating Derwin James injury and you've got a few players here and there. But I don't think, Sean, considering com- comparatively to, to previous years, we've not really seen too much in the way of injury. I know we've had less kind of practice and camp and, all, and contact on the rest of it. But um, do, do you think that as the, the first couple of weeks of the season play out that we'll start to see the, the knocks come to the fore and, and cause people to maybe miss a game or two? Yeah, I think Lawrence hit the nail on the head early. You know, guys are taking hits in practice, but they're not taking full-blown hits, are they? Um, you know, I think the, the intrigue is going to be the intensity of those first couple of weeks. You know, players have usually had a couple of pre-season games. Yes, the starters don't get full games, but they've, you know, they've had a few series and they've sort of, you know, dusted off the cobweb, so to speak. Obviously, coming out week one, um, it'll be interesting to see what the intensity is like. You know, obviously, defence is generally, you know, from training camps, usually start out on top. Um, you know, I wouldn't expect there to be too many high-scoring affairs week one. You know, I think defences will be on top. Um but in terms of injuries, look, they're, they're part of the game. You know, I mean, obviously, some teams get more affected by them than others. Um, you know, the, you know, I've obviously been following stuff from a Browns perspective. We seem to have had quite a number of injuries during camp. Um, but I don't think that's 
you know, due to the circumstances that he's just part and parcel of being in a physical sport, isn't it? And you know, I think it's going to happen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that be any more for any other reason. Um, so it'll just be interesting to monitor over the first couple of weeks. Mm. Yep, certainly weird. And then the last couple then, uh, who have we got here? Uh, Paul McGarry said, will uh, Clyde Edwards and be a boom or bust? We'll be interested actually to see if uh, Kansas City um, will we'll pick up maybe like a Devon Freeman, although I think if they were going to sign him, they would have signed him by now, but maybe Fournette as, as a vet minimum. minimum. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what they what they do. They'll obviously, Damien Williams out uh, after opting out for, for the season. Kieran, obviously, Clyde Edwards and Hare, again, is an the LSU theme running through this podcast tonight, isn't it? I don't, I don't know if that's any coincidence because you're on the podcast, but uh, yeah, take, take it away. I was bullied into taking him out of my uh, 32nd pick by the Chiefs in a lot of my mock drafts because people had thought I had too much LSU bias. Turns out he went to the Chiefs because I thought he was the best fit. He's not a big downhill runner. That's not what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does. I've been watching him at LSU and that's not what he does. What he does do well is you put him on a gap run scheme, let him find a gap, and the college guys always pick, pick fun at me for this, but his hips... He's got super explosive hips. And if you put him on a gap, a gap scheme, he will find a gap. He will run through it. And he might not break off 20 yards or take it downfield, but he'll get you six, seven or eight yards. And he will get you first downs. That's what Clyde Edwards-Alaire does. And I think potentially with Damon Williams not being in the season, he's going to pick up probably most of the duties. You were looking at a guy who's going to be a big, big boom player this year pick him in fantasy he's probably going to average about five yards per carry but you're honestly looking at a guy who's going to be a, a great talent throughout the years to come mm. yeah Lawrence? yeah just just a little minor point if we cast our minds back a couple of years to another Chiefs rookie running back and that was Kareem Hunt in his first season in in KC in 2017 he led the league um, 1,327 rushing yards was an absolute beast. So I think Edward Zelaire is in an absolutely perfect position to absolutely thrive. So I'd, I'd, I'd again echo the, the sentiment here. This is a you know, big, big opportunity um, for Edward Zelaire to, to potentially, I think it's going to be between him and Joe Burrow in terms of competing for Rookie of the Year. We know Burrow is going to be starting from week one. We know he's the number one pick. We know he's a quarterback. Quarterbacks win awards. But Edward Zelaire has a, a huge opportunity here. Let's just hope he stays injury-free. I think the difference is, though, with, with that, Lawrence, and I, I think he'll be absolutely fine, don't get me wrong, but I think the difference, you mentioned Kareem Hunt there, is no one really expected it from Kareem Hunt. You know, Clyde Edwards Alaire, he's been talked about as almost the best back in the NFL when he hasn't even played a down yet. Now, don't get me wrong, I think he will be absolutely fine. Um, and I think, you know, as as Kieran said, I think he's a good fit for what the Chiefs want to do and, the, and what Andy Reid wants from that position. Um, but there is so much pressure on the young man's shoulders because, like I say, he's, al- he's already been crowned and he hasn't even taken a snap yet. So that that's the only thing. I think expectations are that high, you know, would a thousand-yard season be classed as him meeting expectations or not? You know, he's actually people saying, "Well, actually, this guy should be getting fourteen hundred hundred yards." You know, for argument's sake, and I think I think that's the thing. Where with Kareem Hunt, you know, there was an extremely 
um, high ceiling, but obviously a very low floor. I think that's that's the difference here. I think you know people's expectations are that Edward Solaire has got to be doing you know a thousand yards, you know, or you know he will be viewed as being a bit of a bust, which I think is unfair to. Him. Yeah, I think I think so that maybe that pressure comes a bit more from fancy owners, obviously spending a first round pick on him as well. Um, but I, I think certainly a, th- a, th- a thousand yards, whether that's that's scrimmage yards and, and with the majority coming you know, on, on the ground, I, I think that's fair enough for a for, for a first season. Yeah, I, I, but I think you're spot on there, Sean, with essentially already crowning him as the MVP. <laughs> essentially, the MVP, isn't it really? But um, yeah, be, but it will be interesting to see between obviously we've got now and got what nine days until the season starts. It'll be interesting to see if he, if they uh, bring anything in. Um, we did actually have a nice segue. There and uh, with, with Lawrence mentioning Joe Burrow because the last one uh, just before we, we finish off tonight was um, who was it? Steve Watson Dwyer got in touch and said, "Will uh, Joe Burrow bring the Bengals out of the doldrums?" Um, and like I said, at the start of the podcast, we got a couple of Bengals fans who, dare I say it for the first time in, in a while, uh, actually have a bit of optimism going into the season. Uh, and Kieran, again, come to you because Joe Burrow just, uh, like I say, authored the one of the best uh, college seasons in. Uh, in in history over at, at LSU, um, what what do you make of of Joe Burrow and his transition, and what what he'll do for the Bengals? I live in Cincinnati right now, so I'm just going to preface it with that. Um, Joe Burrow is the type of player. If you look throughout his high school career, college career, it shows extreme coachability. It shows that he has hunger and a need for progression. I mean, look at his first season at LSU and then his second season in which he broke out. He is, he creates a culture that's conducive to winning. He elevates his teammates. You see how excited everyone is in Cincinnati about having him there. You see how well he's playing in pregame scrims and the fact that he's always worked his absolute hardest to be the best player he can be. Combine that with a relatively strong draft by Cincinnati. I think they'll have not a winning season, but they'll probably go at least eight and eight, seven and nine, something similar. He'll bring them more wins than they had last year. That's for sure. I think maybe throwing him into the fire his first year might be a little bit early for him. I think maybe they should have picked up a veteran and let the veteran start ahead of him because we've seen these guys who sit their first year tend to have very good second years, but I think he's up to the task in terms of, Injuries, I'm not worried. The dude's in incredible shape. You don't. It's rare you see a quarterback as ripped as him unless you look at a guy like Cam Newton or whatever. And I think having a team that he grew up an hour's drive from is big for him. And he's going to put the whole city of Cincinnati on his back. I know people in Cincinnati who aren't even football fans, but they know who Joe Burrow is. And they're excited about Joe Burrow. And they're actually getting excited about the Bengals. I'm expecting they're a when fans can go back, I'm, accepting, I'm expecting their attendance to go up. It's getting to the point now where if you know where the Bengals so I live 10 minutes drive from um, Paul Brown Stadium. They actually train at Paul Brown Stadium on a little pitch outside. People will just go stand on the bridge just so they can watch Joe Burrow practice, the bridge that goes to Kentucky. That's People don't go stand on a bridge and watch football from 300 metres away unless they're excited about a player. So Joe Burrow is going to be a star in Cincinnati he's smart he's can tell he's a very good football player I'm not worried about the offensive line situation because if you look at him uh, at LSU his his um passer rating went up when under pressure which is very rare for that to happen that doesn't really happen with anyone else so look look for the Bengals to probably be a surprise hit this year and give the Ravens the Browns and the Steelers a lot of trouble 
I don't think they. I think they go one and one against the Browns. I think they go zero and two against the Ravens, but I think they go two and zero against the Steelers because I don't think the Steelers have what it takes to beat a team with as many good pieces as the Cincinnati Bengals has, especially mm-hmm. with guys like Joe Mixon out there. It's a controversial opinion, but no one else has thrown sixty touchdowns in college football, especially in the SEC. The closest was a guy from Hawaii, Colt Brennan, and that's in the WAC conference, and that's in Anagram and and by nature they were just whack so look for joe burrow to be the biggest breakout star this year i'm not just saying that but put my put your money on it go tigers there you go there you go he's, he's already he's already uh, predicted the uh, the cincinnati Bengals season for you against the afc north opponents are you, are you okay with that sean one-on-one against the browns yeah i'll take that um <laughs> to, to be honest and I, I said this some time ago i i i really I'm down on the Steelers and obviously I'm going to be because of being a Browns fan but I, I think the Steelers could be in line for a top five pick next year I, I genuinely really do I, I, I'm not buying Juju as anything like a number one receiver I think James Connor just I don't think he's good enough even if he can stay injury free Big Ben doesn't look like he can move to be completely honest um I, I I really am down. Don't get me wrong, I look like a complete idiot when the Browns finish bottom and the Steelers are in the playoffs again because that's obviously what happens every year. But, you know, this is the best part of the NFL, isn't it? You've, you've got Cincinnati fans 300 metres from the stadium watching from a bridge because everyone is full of expectation. We're all O&O boys. We're all tied for the top of the division. Mm. This is the best time of the season. Mm. Yeah, do you hear that, Jags fans? Uh, apparently the Pittsburgh Steelers are coming for Trevor Lawrence. So I'd, uh, <laughs> I could be worried. Be very afraid. Be very afraid. All right, let's get out of here. So we're going, we're going a bit long. Thanks to Sean Lawrence and, of course, Kieran uh, for, for joining me today. Thanks to everyone that did get in touch with us on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, for what you are looking forward to in 2020. Like I say, just nine days away now until the big kickoff uh, with the Chiefs and the Saxons. I'm sure you're looking forward to it just as much as I am. Just before we get do get out of here, obviously want to plug again that the NFL season guide that we've put together here at the full 10 yards. You can get it on Amazon at 10.99 with the free PDF file as well or you can just buy the PDF file itself uh, for 4 99 over on the website, 410yards.com forward slash shop, and that will be sent straight to your inbox. Uh, a couple of articles that have gone up over the last couple of days, I, like I mentioned it on the podcast, I've put an MVP uh, overview article out there, so go and give that a read if you are a better or you want to have a look at the main protagonists in the betting for the MVP vote. Uh, what, another article that went out today, which is, of course, Tuesday, the 1st of September, f- Fantasy Football for Dummies. So anyone doing a draft over the next couple of days or next weekend ahead of the big kickoff next Thursday anyone that's new maybe you're the 12th person that's been drafted in and you know absolutely nothing go and give that article a little check and you won't do yourself any disgrace uh, when you are in the draft room Rob has been putting out some fantasy articles over the last couple of weeks as well. The most recent one being his September fantasy rankings again. So if you are someone that's drafting this week, next week, go and give those a little perusal to help you with your drafts. And Lawrence will have a topical article coming out very shortly indeed, uh, taking a look at uh, the last five decades uh, of kickoff games, which is, like I say, very topical indeed. Lawrence, do you want to give a little teaser for that? Yeah, all I'll say is a... um... Green Bay Packers kicker and a big bag of cocaine and leave it at that. There you go. There you go. Great teaser. Um, but that's going to do it for today's NFL podcast. Don't forget to rate and review on wherever you get your podcast, mainly obviously Apple is the main one. But we will speak to you very soon indeed. We'll speak to you next week, all ahead of the uh, the big kickoff. But in the meantime, it's a uh, goodbye from Kieran. I'll see you later, guys. Goodbye from Sean.
Cheers, buddy. Catch you later. And goodbye from Lawrence. And just a special thank you to 49ers receiver River Craycraft's mother for retweeting one of my tweets. <laughs> um, I feel like I need to do um, a, a Strictly Come Dancing thing for like keep playing or something like that, but I can't, I can't think of it off the top of the bat. But uh, that's going to do it for today's show. We'll speak to you very soon indeed. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's a bye-bye for now. A bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.